0: This is episode number 85 with JJ Virgin. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating. Isn't a dirty word. Each week I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? JJ is a prominent TV and media personality, a speaker, a podcaster, and the author of four New York Times bestsellers, The Virgin Diet, The Virgin Diet Cookbook, Sugar Impact Diet, and The Sugar Impact Diet Cookbook. She is a celebrity nutrition expert, and she teaches people how to break through food and carbon tolerances so they can finally lose the weight to transform their health and their lives. But her latest book, Miracle Mindset, shows warrior mums how to be strong, positive leaders for their families while exploring the inspirational lessons she learned as she fought for her own son's life. And in today's episode, we chat about the story about her son's hit-and-run car accident and how she got through that experience using her Miracle Mindset. What is a miracle mindset and how you can adopt one? The powerful exercise that will take you from a scarcity to abundance mindset? The best pattern interrupt to go from anger to gratitude? the powerful forgiveness technique that she used to forgive the woman who almost killed her son, why you need to surround yourself with positive people, what she attributes her success to, the key to creativity, plus so much more. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 87. But before we dive into today's episode, I want to read the review of the week, and this comes from Cass Della, and she says, Mel, you are amazing. This platform is beyond amazing. I just finished listening to your interview with the beautiful Teresa Palmer. You are both huge inspirations to me. So, so many nuggets of wisdom in there. I could listen over and over. Cannot wait to listen to all the other goodies. Cass, I am so grateful for that beautiful review. Thank you so much. And don't forget to leave me a review if you want to be the review of the week next week. And without further ado, let's bring on the super inspiring, the one and only JJ Virgin. JJ, welcome to the show. It is so great to have you here. But before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning?
1: <laughs> I had what I have every single morning. Oh my gosh, I'm such a creature habit. I start every single day with a smoothie and I have for 30 years. So I use one of my protein powders and then avocado. And right now I'm doing flaxseed milk. I switch around my milks from flaxseed to almond, coconut, um, cashew, and then let's see, avocado, usually a little spinach. And then today I put in, I'm playing around. So right now I'm doing green bananas to get the resistant starch up. But I mess around with that all the time because when you've been doing it for 30 years, you could get bored if you didn't, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, that sounds delicious. Absolutely amazing. And I am so excited to have this conversation with you. You have an amazing story and especially the story that inspired your latest book, The Miracle Mindset. So can you tell us the inspiration behind this book and in particular, what happened with your son?
1: Yes. And actually, you will love this. We're rebranding that book. It's coming back out as Warrior Mom. And I think when people hear the story, they'll understand it. I had two sons and they were 15 and 16. And I was just getting ready to publish my big book that I'm known for, The Virgin Diet. And literally it was a couple weeks before The Virgin Diet was coming out. And I had invested everything into this book, like the entire advance. I'd borrowed money. I'd taken my savings. <laughs> I, was, I was like beyond all in, right? And I am the financial support for my family. So this thing had to go, otherwise we weren't eating. So super important time, super stressful time. And it's now a couple of weeks before I'm doing all the last minute details that you have to do when you're doing a book launch, which are crazy and prepping for the public television special. And my son gets hit by a car and is literally left for dead in the street and gets airlifted to our local hospital. And the only reason we even knew like that he was there, because he was a John Doe when he got hit, he was going to a friend's house, had no ID on him, nothing. and. My ex-husband and my other son saw this huge accident near our house. He'd already been airlifted to the local hospital, but the policeman who saw him said, the kid who got hit looks just like him and pointed to my other son because they're a year apart. They look like twins. So we rushed to the hospital. The doctors there told us that he had a torn aorta, it kills 90% of the people on the scene, that it was going to rupture sometime in the next 24 hours, unless we got it repaired, but that they couldn't repair it there because he had multiple brain bleeds. He was in a deep, deep coma. He had something called diffuse axonal injuries to his brain. They said if they did it without a blood thinner, or if they did it with a blood thinner, which is the only way they knew how to do it, his brain would bleed out. And they weren't able to do the other surgery at that hospital. And they said, you know, He'd never survive another airlift. And even if he were to survive another airlift, he'd be, you know, he's not going to survive this surgery. And even if he were to survive that, he'd be so brain damaged, it wouldn't be worth it. He literally said that to us. And my 15-year-old son's looking at this doctor and he goes, so, so maybe like a 0.25% chance he could make it. And the, the doctor says, that sounds about right, son. And Bryce looked at that doctor and said, we'll take those odds. And we overruled that doctor. The doctor was like shocked, you know, (laughs) we're like, we're overruling you and had him airlifted to this next hospital. We had to say goodbye to him at that hospital. No clue if we were saying goodbye for good. You know, he was in a coma on life support. He literally had bones sticking through his skin. It was, I think you, you protect yourself. So when I'm looking at him, it it was like, I was looking at a movie because I think when you're going through something that traumatic, your brain, it goes, no, 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 no. Like, no, no, this is not really happening. So literally, I'm I'm looking at this going, this could not be real. Like he is covered in road rash. He has glass sticking out of him. Side of his body looks like hamburger meat. And my son, Bryce... 15 years old, walks up to him and goes, dude, you look really ugly right now. I'm like looking at my son going, where are you getting this strength from? And he goes, but if anyone can make it, you can. I know you've got this. And so we leave him. We drive to the hospital in the middle of the night. No clue what we're going to, to find there. When we get there, we get there and there's five surgical teams, full court press there. One of the doctor walks up, he goes, you the mom? He goes, listen, I got this. You don't need to worry. I do these all the time. I did one last week. We had a guy thrown off an overpass. I fixed him. I'll fix your son. Let me show you where I'm going to fix him. He was just trying to get me out of the room because there were literally five teams working prepping him for surgery and they were waiting for this one stint to get flown in from somewhere. And this doctor... Not only had recruited this entire group of, of other doctors, five surgical teams in the middle of the night, this happened at night, he got airlifted at two in the morning, but he'd also gotten hold of a stint that was being used in a study for adults only. And had been, the study was over. He got a hold of the stint that he wanted and said, you know, I'll just ask for forgiveness and put it in Grant who didn't qualify as part of the study anyway, because he was a kid. So that's the kind of doc you want on your team. You know, <laughs> it was crazy. So we went and waited in the waiting room and he came in and said, All right, your son's fixed. You know, his stint's great. He'll never have issues there. He goes, Now I don't know if he'll ever wake up. It's not my not my job. I'm I'm just the plumber. So that was the start really of of what's been five and a half years of helping my son get through a traumatic brain injury. We had no idea. What it would be like when he woke up, the doctors just told us it would be ugly. I didn't realize it would be ugly for years, what it really means going through a traumatic brain injury. But, you know, he also had 13 fractures. He had a crushed heel. They didn't think he'd walk again. We didn't know if he would be able to talk here, nothing. We had no idea what would happen as he started to wake up. I stood in the hospital that first night. I held his hand and I just said, Grant, I need you to fight. You are a warrior, name means warrior, and we are going to take you to 110%. So I just need you to fight and you to know that I'm going to bring everybody we need to get us there. We will do this. And that's been my guiding principle ever since was just what do I need to do to get him to be 110%. Oh
0: my gosh. Okay. So how is he now? How has this journey been for him?
1: This journey has been amazing for all of us. It has been obviously like the most frightening thing a parent could ever go through. I mean, like, you know, that is every parent's worst nightmare, biggest fear. But on the other hand, before it happened, I kept praying to be more present with my kids. I like, you know, I would, I always felt like as a working mom, when I was with them, I was thinking about work. And when I was, you know, working, I was thinking about them and I was never really present for anything. And nothing makes you present faster than something like this happening. Like you get super present. And what I will tell you is our family is closer than ever now. It's really quite amazing what it's done for all of us as a family. And it's been a tough road. I, I had no idea what brain injuries were like. They are super difficult and there needs to be so much more information out there. They're really, I was really not told much beyond it's going to be ugly, which is quite an understatement. But I will tell you now that Grant is in so many ways better than before the accident. He can walk, he can run, he can do. It is amazing. You know, here he got hit by a car going 40 miles an hour, left for dead in the street. And how he is like functioning walking talking just blows my mind i mean it just it's just crazy he's got a little little hearing loss in one ear where he was told that he would never hear out of again and he told them yes he would (laughs) which i just love this is what he sent to me today a text saying i'm trying to to explain to everybody what is going on in my brain because he had a near-death experience and it's really crazy like he describes being uh, going to the other side and i was sitting next to him in the hospital the whole time, I was literally working on my book launch, I have pictures of this where I was sitting next to him, you know, in my workout clothes, hair in a ponytail with my laptop open, working. It was crazy because I knew he could hear me. I knew he could hear me. I knew he was in a coma, but I knew he could hear me. So I kept yakking away to him the whole time. Talk, talk, talk. <laughs> and he said to me after, he goes, you know, the gray man asked me if I wanted to live or die. And I really didn't want to live. And I'm going to read you why, because it's this thing's pretty interesting what it's like on the other side. He goes, but I kept hearing your voice, so I decided to stay. I'm like, I just knew he could hear me. He said, when I died, there was no need to worry about time. There's no wall around time in that place. And because death transfers your soul, your consciousness, your energy, your thoughts, however you perceive yourself as of your whole self and the choice of yourself, it doesn't matter what you call it or however you perceive it. It is the same in any way you perceive it or in any way you can sense it at all. Because we have less here than we have there. We could literally think and feel what you would want to feel as you have an object in your hands, even though it doesn't exist. So he's going through, there's a whole long text, but explaining what it's like on the other side. And it's just insane. And this is by someone who uh, literally had to learn how to talk, how to walk, how to eat, how to brush his teeth, how to tie his shoes. He had to learn everything, who he was, his name, everything all over again, everything. He had to start from scratch. It was incredible. And now he's reading Plato. And this, you know, it's like, I want to go back to that doctor who said, uh, you know, you've just got to let him go. We tried to get him on interview when I did my documentary and he declined. <laughs> it's like, how could you ever let someone go? I mean, you just, you just have to fight, right? Like you have to fight until there's really no other choice.
0: Wow. What an inspiration. What a beautiful, beautiful being. And the power of the mind. Like I'm just thinking like his pure determination and his miracle mindset to get him through that has just probably inspired you and your family so, so much. I'd love to hear for you sitting there. How did you use your mind to get through that? Like obviously that is probably the hardest thing you've ever been through in your entire life, but how did you use your miracle mindset and what is a miracle mindset?
1: So first off, it wasn't my first rodeo. So that was a good thing. And, that, and that's the important thing that we've all got to realize is that, you know, when everything is going your way and life is easy, you don't get smarter and stronger and better. You get better when you're challenged. You get better when things are difficult. And the thing we know most about life is it's going to get difficult. Like, And it all comes down to how you show up. I was fortunate when I was 30. I um, had this amazing mentor who was going to teach me how to become more successful in business because, you know, she kept, she was like, why are you in grad school? I was in my third grad school, I think at the time. And I told her I wanted to learn how to, you know, I wanted to help more people. And then she wanted to know what I was going to do after grad school. And I said, I was going to go and get my doctorate degree because I wanted to help more people. And she's like, you know, you, those don't actually line up. You're like school doesn't mean they'll actually be able to help more people. And I was like, huh? You know, because that's, I mean, that's all I ever knew was you just keep going for more education so i moved into her house and she actually became my mr miyagi and before she would teach me anything in business for months she just taught me mindset and uh, which was super frustrating because i just wanted to learn business and i felt kind of at first i was like very frustrated but it actually is why grant's alive today i mean it is why i'm where i'm at in my business and my career now it is everything and really when you come down to it i know with my consumer health business that people who aren't where they want to be, it's not a shortage of strategy. It never is a shortage of strategy. It's always a a limitation of mindset. And so fortunately, she taught me so many things. And one of the first things she taught me is there are no limitations. The only limitations are those that are in your mind. So that's why I came up with, okay, he's going to be 110%. I figured if he fell short, we were still in good shape, right? You know, I was like, "Eh, if he gets to 80%, we're good. So that's how I've always lived with my kids. And my kids echo that type of, type of behavior. Obviously having a 15 year old tell a doctor we're overruling him is pretty, pretty insane for a 15 year old to do.
0: So for someone who is currently listening and thinking, okay, I realize that I have a lot of limiting beliefs. How can someone cultivate or develop a miracle mindset? Like, what are some strategies for people to implement today?
1: You know what's so cool about all of this stuff is that you can change it. It's not like saying, oh, you know what? You need to be tall to be able to do this. Oh, sucks for you. You know, the cool thing here is these are all things that we can do. They don't cost any money, they just require you to get out of your comfort zone, which probably is the most difficult thing of all, right? <laughs> One of the first things that my mentor did that is a great place to start, and it's going to sound ridiculous, and I actually do this with my mastermind group, is you put a rubber band around your wrist, and every time you have a limiting belief, you snap it, and you say, cancel, cancel. And it sounds crazy, but it's amazing how well it works. She taught me early on, she goes, you've got to manage your environment. And so I was supposed to wear this rubber band. If anything negative came up or if anything limiting came up, I snapped the band. But I also, she taught me early on to manage my environment and that, you know, who I spent my time with, it's that Jim Rohn, you are the average, of the five people you spend the most time with. So who you're around, what you listen to, what you read, what you think is all under your control. And what was interesting in the hospital is we would have doctors, we had this group of orthopedic surgeons who came in and. Grant had this crushed heel injury. And, you know, at first I was taking things in a matter of degrees. So, you know, the first thing that Grant I had to deal with was could he make it survive the airlift? He had a, an aorta that was going to rupture. And when that did, it was game over. So that was first step is that getting through that. Once he got through that, it was like, okay, now he's got this brain injuries in a coma. Will he wake up? Once he started to wake up from that, then we started to work with bringing him back. But then we had to deal with the fact that he had all of these orthopedic injuries. He had, you know, his... Both femurs ended up with rods and them. he fractured them. He had a fractured wrist, shoulder, elbow. I mean, just everything was broken. The other part of it that he had was this crushed heel. And apparently crushed heel injury is a total, like it's a, it's a game changer industry. They told us, you know, we're just trying to get him to be able to walk. So I looked at those doctors because they're saying this, you know, next to him. They go, listen, he's got a crushed heel. This is a game changing injury and we just want to be able to walk. And I said, get out of the room. <laughs> you know, I go, let me tell you, I want you to behave as if that is Kobe Bryant. Because I'm sure if Kobe Bryant were here, you were not be trying to figure out how he's going to be able to walk. You wouldn't, it wouldn't even cross your mind. So that's how we're going to handle this. He's an athlete. He's absolutely going to walk again. He's going to be out running and doing sports and all sorts of stuff. And that's where I need you to come from. If you can't, then I need to find people who can think that way. And, you know, it's like I, I was, I'm sure, dubbed crazy mom in the <laughs> in the hospital. However, it's amazing because it got a little contagious. Like people did start to grab a hold of that enthusiasm. And, you know, he walked back into that first hospital a couple months later. He was in one hospital for two and a half months and the next hospital for two months. And we pulled him out early to start to work with him. And, you know, he walked in and people were just like jaw dropped in a state of shock. So you know, it is so critical because I keep thinking back, what if we'd listen to the first doctor, just let him go? Or what if we listened to those doctors and we're like, yeah, hopefully he can, he can walk again right? You know, instead of just going, all right, no, 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 he's going to be doing sports. He's running, he plays tennis, he does all of that now.
0: Wow. Wow. So first of all, I love that exercise and I'm going to start to do that. My husband does something similar with a rubber band, but it's a negativity band. So every time you say something negative, he flicks it and he tries to do this 21-day challenge where you you don't say anything negative for 21 days. But I like the mindset challenge. So I'm going to do that. Anytime I have a limiting belief, I'm going to... Do you snap it once or, or twice or what is it?
1: Doesn't matter, whatever you want, just make sure you snap it. And I'll tell you, I have another one that I do too, and this is called my jam. And it really is what got me through the hospital because, you know, everyone talks about the importance of a morning routine. And the thing is, it doesn't need to be long. I think the most important thing is that when you set, start the morning, you want to frame your day. And I'm used to doing this as a nutritionist with breakfast and breakfast framing the day because you have this whole phenomenon with your blood sugar response to the next meal based on the meal before. So it matters. And similarly, the same with your mindset. So what I've been doing for years and years and years is pulling out a journal and writing down at least three things for people i'm grateful for and oftentimes i'll just write a lot more than that i will just free flow out everything i'm thinking about etc but you know no matter what three things you're grateful for and then if during the day you get crabby angry irritated you know (laughs) which happens right we're not perfect the best pattern interrupt that i found is appreciation so, and it is as simple as sending someone a text and telling them what you appreciate about them. It is amazing what will happen when you do that. First of all, you feel great, they feel great, and generally they send you back some love too. And then at the end of the day, and this is what saved me with Grant when I was going through all this stuff, because I had no idea, you know, I didn't know that he would ever come out of this. I didn't know if he'd ever leave the hospital. I didn't know if he was going to wake up. I had no idea. And it would be like Friday nights in this hospital and I'd be there and by myself. I mean, it was like very easy to fall into pity party land at that point. Right. And so what I did was I would always look for three things at the end of each day that I had that were like little miracles. That's why I call it jam, gratitude, appreciation, miracles, but like the little wins of the day. Whether it's just, okay, today he squeezed my fingers, today he made eye contact, I'd always find three things that I could celebrate on that. And that just kept me hopeful and kept me able to move forward because, you know, sometimes it was as little as like he sighed, he's still here, (laughs) you know, but I, I could always find something and we can always find something.
0: I absolutely agree. I'm a huge fan of gratitude because you cannot be angry and grateful at the same time. You can't be resentful and grateful at the same time. And often it is those moments where we just look a little bit deeper. We can always find something to be grateful for. It's always there. Even if it's, you know, something as simple as the bed that I slept in or the comfortable pillow that I just had, you know, there's always things. So uh, I'm just so inspired that. You have managed to move through that time with such grace and your mindset is so inspiring.
1: It really, really is. Well, thank you. It was scary. You know, it's like one of the things that uh, I don't really cry. I tend to sweat more than I cry. (laughs) I mean, it is the most terrifying thing ever. And it really honestly came down to managing my mindset. So I didn't just completely decompensate, right?
0: Were there any days where you did kind of let it slip and you spiraled down, or were you just like, no, I am so focused on having this miracle mindset that I'm not going to let anything take me off
1: my path? I actually kept it together completely, except for one time. (laughs) One time I totally just fell apart and was pretty embarrassed about my behavior, and uh, I just lost it on someone who did something really crappy to me in business. And, uh, you know, as I was yelling at him in the waiting room at the hospital, I'm sure people were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what's going on. I realized that I was yelling at him because of not, you know, what he did was super creepy. He basically stole a client. It was really horrible, but I yelled at him for everything. I yelled at him for the woman who hit my son. I yelled at him for my son walking out on the street. And I kind of realized from that, wow, I thought that because I wasn't focused on finding that woman, which everyone was like all obsessed with finding this woman. I'm like, why? I'm going to focus on my son, you know, that I had forgiven her, but I really realized that forgiveness is a massively active process that it doesn't just happen. You actually have to actively do it in order to forgive. And so that, that kind of that episode of losing it helped me realize that uh, needed to do that. Was forgiving her really hard? No, not at all. Because you know what? Here's the thing. I have a process and it's in the book where I walk through how I go about forgiving. And here's the thing about forgiving. There was an amazing researcher, cannot remember his name, I think Trissant, and who has studied forgiveness. And what he discovered was that in bad situations like, you know, school shootings, the kids who recover the fastest are the kids who forgive. And he, it was such a clear demarcation between stress levels, anxiety, and forgiveness. And as he was studying this, this is crazy that this happened, but as he's studying this, his mother, his mother was murdered. Here it is, his mother is murdered. And so what he does, because he knows the research, is he immediately goes into forgiveness. I mean, that just shows you how much this, you know, someone who's doing all the research on it, that's the like, you know, within a couple of hours of finding this out, he is going through forgiveness protocols. And there's, there's a very specific way that I walk through in the book on how to actively forgive someone and really go through the process. Because the reality is, you're not calling them and forgiving them. That forgiveness is for you. It's setting you free. If you're holding a grudge and you're angry, it's eating you up, not them. It's you. So that forgiveness is for you. It's for you to be able to move on. It's for you to be able to have peace, you know? So it's a hugely important thing. And when I realized I was forgiving her, but I also had to forgive my son. I mean, I don't know what happened. He could have walked in front of the car. I have no idea. Everyone was so quick to blame this woman, but I don't know. And then I had to forgive myself. He wanted to go to martial arts that day. I said no. I was like, I should have just said yes. He wouldn't have gone out and walked to a friend's house, you know? So. Ultimately, I think so often we have to get down to forgiving ourselves. Quite often that's the real, the real one, right?
0: Totally. So can you tell us the strategy that you share
1: in the book? So first, you, you've got to define the person that you need to forgive. And then you are going to decide where you're going to do this and who the judge and jury are going to be. You've got your judge and jury. For mine, I picked um, mythological creatures, and one of them was Aslan from uh, The Chronicles of Narnia. So you pick you pick whoever you want these people to be because you're doing this in your mind, right? So you pick a couple, a judge or a judge and jury, and then you decide where you're going to have this judge and jury take place. Could be in a courthouse, could be outside. Like mine was, for some reason, I have no clue, Melissa, why I decided I was going to like use Narnia sets, but that's what I did. And that's still what I do. Like it's just my go-to. Then you pick the issue and the person who's wronged you and what they've done to wrong you. And what you do is you charge them. You bring them before the jury and you charge them and you fully, fully unload every single thing and what it did to you and what it meant to you and how it hurt you. And you just keep going and keep going and keep going until you've gotten it all out. You've just, all of it's out. You've left it all there. Then once you've done all that, then you flip over and this is the key critical part once you've done that, you flip over to their side. And honestly, when I did this and flipped over to this woman's side and my thinking, you know, was flipping over to her side, she was scared to death. She had little kids at home. She was the sole financial support. She didn't even see him. He was, you know, ran out in front of the car. She didn't know what to do. She saw another car pull up. So she figured he was safe. She drove off, you know, it was, it's, It's not going to excuse that behavior of her leaving, but the reality is it didn't make a bit of difference and it helped me be empathize with her. And then you go through and you forgive her and, or the person, or it could be you. And then you check in with your judges and jury to make sure that you really did it. And sometimes I've had some people do some things that it didn't, it didn't get fixed first pass. Took me a couple of times to fully forgive them because I was so irritated with it. And you could kind of tell there was still a charge. And that's what's important. I always know when I have to go through this, when I have a charge, when I have an emotional charge, I'm irritated, angry, when something comes up about someone. And then I know I need to you know, go further with it. So that's when I know I need to do this. But it's amazingly powerful, amazingly. And the way I learned it at first was I learned it during doing neurofeedback at 40 Years of Zen, with Dave Asprey, and so you could tell if you were actually succeeding or not, and it was, you know, that's how I knew there were a couple of things that took me a lot longer to get through than just, <laughs> and just one shot, right? And that's okay.
0: Mm, wow, I want to try that. It sounds amazing. We've had Dave on the show, and I love his work. But yeah, I just love this exercise so much. It's really, really powerful to see the other side because there's always two sides to everything. And to put yourself in the other person's shoes is really powerful, really, really powerful. And if we don't forgive, that builds resentment and anger and that eats away at our soul and that causes dis-ease in the body. So we need to forgive. We need to let this go and move forward with our life instead of holding on to this anger and resentment. So thank you so much for sharing that exercise. It's really powerful and I'm definitely going to be using it.
1: Yeah, well, credit Dave for it. Brother Dave Brother Dave actually forced me to go to 40 years of Zen with him. I was, didn't realize that I was the train wreck that I was. I was kind of walking I had so much PTSD from the whole situation and uh, that saved me.
0: Wow. Wow. And something you mentioned before, the support network and how important it is that we surround ourselves with, like in your instance, any doctor that came in that was like, he's not going to make it. You're like, okay, cool. Get out next. It's so important that if we want to adopt a miracle mindset and if we want to live the life of our dreams, that the people and the team and the support network that are around us are also a reflection of that. So what would you say to someone if they realize that currently the people in their life don't reflect that and maybe they are negative or they have that scarcity mindset? How can we move through
1: that? Get new friends. <laughs> you know, it is interesting though, when I one of my first coaches said, you know, as you start to step up in your life and you want to, you know, get outside your comfort zone, make a bigger impact, you may find that your friends don't support you and you may have to get new friends. And it sounds harsh, but they're probably not comfortable with you either, right? You know, what was interesting is my, my husband, When I first met him, he heard me, he came to one of my masterminds and I was sharing with the mastermind, you know, what happens is you start to step up and you start to make a bigger impact in the world. You're going to have friends around you go, who do you think you are to be doing that? And you're never going to be successful, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And you really want to be around people who are going to help you. They're going to hold you to your highest, best self. They're going to support you there, right? They're going to be there when things go sideways and support you. That's what you want. And it was interesting, Tim's old, old friends were like, you know, Tim's changed. And Tim, Tim, my husband is happier than he's ever been. He's, you know, doing more in his life than he ever has. And some of his old friends were not supportive. And, you know, he's changed. I'm like, actually he hasn't changed. He's just stepping into more of himself. Right. But I think what's important is not all those friends, maybe people, it doesn't mean that you cut them out of your life, but they just may be people that you're not spending a lot of time with. I mean, you know, I love my mom, but I don't like, I did not have her come. She didn't come to the hospital for a couple months because she is a glass half empty person. She is doom and gloom. She like, You know, she would look at situations with Grant and she'd be like, oh, my gosh, she's never going to make it. I'm like, I don't need to be around that. That is not going to be helpful.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so important. It's really important. That's really powerful that you said that. I'm even having your mom, like someone who's so close to you and so close to Grant that you're saying, you know what? You can't come because that negativity and that scarcity mindset, I can't be around. And there's been people in my life. You know, I had one of my best friends pass away three years ago and I was the same. Like I just couldn't be around those people that were really negative it would just bring me down. like, and, and instead, I just wanted to surround myself with people who had this more abundant mindset. So it's really important. And I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned it, because if you want a miracle mindset, if you want to master your mind, then you've got to be surrounded by people who are also on that same path. Otherwise, it's going to be challenging.
1: Yeah. And they don't, by the way, when you really start to see this, it's not saying so, and I'm not going to be around you because you're negative. Believe me, as you start to step into this, get out of your comfort zones, start to live this way, the other people don't want to be around you anyway. Exactly. I still talk to old friends, et cetera. But, you know, I, I also, my, the majority of my time is spent with people who are super positive super supportive, who show up, who take on challenges, right? Who have a very positive mindset. Those are, those are the people I choose to spend my time with.
0: So do you attribute this miracle mindset to your success? Like if you reflect back on all of the success that you've had in business and, and moving through
1: this life
0: crisis,
1: what do you attribute your success to? 100% to mindset. It is the ability to fail and get back up. Like that song, I get knocked down, I get back up again. That is my song. I have failed so many times. It is my very first book. I had to pay the person I wrote it with $15,000 so that he wouldn't go after me because he'd had me sign a contract that basically gave him 50% of anything I ever did for the rest of my life. I got totally duped. Someone bought my name and built a website, you know, as supposedly a favor, I had to buy it back. My first big television show of my own that ABC bought, ABC Primetime Pilot, got canceled. You know, it's like over and over and over again. People look and they think that you woke up one day and all these things were just happening for you. And they don't see that it was really failure, get back up, failure, get back up. (laughs) Oh, that one worked. Okay, great. Failure, get back up, right? I mean, that is what it is. And so what keeps you getting back up? It's having a huge why that will keep you going. And it's having that mindset that, you know, you just, you're never better than when you're challenged and you're stronger than you think, and you can get back up and do this. And it's not going to be easy. My coach, my mentor told me early on, she goes, don't wish it was easier. Make yourself stronger. If it's easy, everyone will do it. You don't want it to be easy. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. So I just didn't expect it ever to be easy. I think for so many people, they, they just think that success is just going to find them and, uh, and it, it's not, it's, it, there is no white knight. He's not coming for you. Mm, absolutely.
0: Oh my gosh. This is so good. This is just so many great little nuggets of wisdom. And it's how you look at the failures too. You know, like for me, it's like, I don't see them as failures and I don't label them as failures. It's just like, okay, cool. I fell down and I'm going to get back up right now. Like I'm just going to do it. And it takes courage to move through that. It takes commitment the mindset. So I just love how committed you are. It's awesome. But I'd love to hear what is your why? Because it sounds like you've got a really strong, passionate why that helps you get back up every time. So what is your why?
1: Yeah, I think you've got to have why and hope and I have various why's for different parts of my life. And, you know, obviously my why for my son Grant is that he's going to be better than he was before the accident. He'll be 110%. And we will take that information and share it worldwide so that people will not suffer unnecessarily with brain injuries because there's just such a lack of information there. My other son, Bryce, oh my gosh, the kid is a total genius and it is just you know, my honor and privilege to be his mom, and my big why there is to, uh, you know, give him what he needs to be able to get his gift out into the world. He's going to be the Neil deGrasse Tyson of math, and then my big why in my in both my uh, businesses, I own two companies, is to help a billion people take personal responsibility for their health. I do that both through my personal brand business, and then I help other health influencers learn how to do that as well. So we can just get that message out there. And I'm just determined that it's never going to be, if someone's not healthy, it's not due to a lack of information. And I put, I mean, 95% of what I do in my life, I give away. So there's no reason someone can't have everything they need to be healthy and successful. It's all there. It's just really about someone taking action.
0: I love that. Every day, taking that inspired action. So, I'd love to hear now what is something that's bringing you the most joy in your life right now.
1: I'm a newlywed, (laughs) so I have the most amazing. I know I have. I have have the coolest situation because I have an amazing, amazing husband. I cannot believe I've. I like we are the perfect fit for each other, and I can't believe we found each other. And. He is so cool with my ex-husband and my ex husband's so cool with him. They have a great relationship. We spend all, and I told him when I met him, I go, my son's got a traumatic brain injury and we spend our holidays together. We live near each other. And, you know, they're a huge part of my life. All my, my kids are, and my ex-husband, and he'll be over at the house. He goes, okay, no issues, no worries, no problems. And we spend a ton of time together. And in fact, my ex-husband said to me, he goes, you did a, he is a great guy. Good job on that one. Oh, wow, that's so beautiful. <laughs> I mean, how cool is that? Like it's so it's it speaks volumes for both of them for how amazing both of them are.
0: It does. It totally does. And what an amazing situation that you've manifested. Like you're a very powerful manifester and look what you've manifested.
1: I am a manifester, man. I like when I did 40 years of Zen, what was very interesting that came out of it, I did it with uh Dave and then we had uh Vish and Lakiani there too, which was fun from Mine Valley. And Vish and I both had uh, these high delta waves. We're both powerful manifestors. And I have always known that about myself, that I can just basically manifest anything that I want. And so can my son Grant, which is, you know, what I've told him from day one on this whole thing. I'm like, dude, you can totally do this. You got this, right? You just just gotta decide, which thank God he decided to come back. <laughs> But yeah, I think that thoughts are so powerful, thoughts create, that's it. So you have to start with managing your thoughts. And that's Carol Dweck's work out of Stanford, the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset is, you know, it's amazing when I hear people who just believe that they are a product of their circumstances, they have no choice, they can't get, you know, they can't do anything about it. And then you watch someone else who just soars, who is in the same situation or a way more challenging one, just purely because they they believe they can and they make the decision.
0: Mm, Absolutely. So inspiring. Um, My husband jokes that I have magical manifesting fairy dust because he's like, you are such a powerful manifester. He's like, you just sprinkle your manifesting fairy dust over something and, and it manifests. I credit it to the mindset as well and that belief. And it's something that I'm working on daily. And I'd love to hear what is something that you're currently working on or would like
1: to improve within yourself at the moment? You know, it's interesting. I have just, I'm in the process of making some big shifts to open up just more space. I actually spent time this last weekend. My husband was out of town and I got almost everything off of my to-do list that were like things that had to be done so I could just have more space for some bigger creative vision stuff for the business, but also just more space to relax, take time out, do more massages, and just not Fill every minute of every day, and that's hard for me. It's super hard. I want to fill every minute of every day. That that's how I I'm like massively ambitious, and and that's what I'm really working on. Is I know the next level is to is to create more white space.
0: Mm, me too. I'm the same sister. Totally the same. My latest book, Open Wide, has come out. It launched on January first, and so all of last year it was just writing and editing and getting all the PR sorted and things like that. So it was a very full year. And this year I'm like consciously really trying to create more white space
1: just to be and for flow it's fun yeah you can't be creative when every minute's scheduled you know you've got to just have space and and for me it's really about not feeling guilty about like puttering and just like and not accomplishing something (laughs) i hear you sister
0: I would love to hear now, if you had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world, what book would you choose? And let's pretend that all of your books are already in there.
1: (laughs) It wouldn't be my book. It would be Think and Grow Rich. I, I just think that is. I was so excited. Grant told me he was reading Think and Grow Rich. I'm like, unprompted. I didn't tell him to do it. I was like, that is just fantastic. So that would definitely be it. Yeah, it's an amazing book. I highly recommend it. Yeah, isn't it incredible? Like to write something, I mean, think about writing something that just has lasted so long and is more relevant today than ever. You know, that's what's so impressive about it is just how that book just never, it never gets old. It never, you know, never, it just never loses its steam. And it's one you should read and then reread every decade.
0: Oh, yeah, because you're going to get so much out of it each each read, aren't you?
1: It should be, but it should be like, this is how we got to raise our kids. It's the way it should be.
0: So tell me now, I love hearing about morning routines and how you prime yourself for the day. So do you have a morning routine? And if so, what does that look like for you?
1: It's funny. I've gone all over the place with this. And I just went to my first Tony Robbins seminar. I'm not getting an ice cold plunge water. Sounds like a <laughs> like a great idea but I'm not doing it. I have messed around with all sorts of routines and what works the best for me is morning is my best creative time. And so for me, I my husband brings me coffee, bulletproof coffee. So I start with my coffee and I start with my journal and then after that I do creative work. So that is my morning. I don't work out in the morning because it's my most creative time. I work out in the middle of the day as my break between morning and afternoon. And I try to do my creative stuff in the morning and my interviews in the afternoon. It's really how I set the tone for the day is with that journal in the morning and gratitude. And then I'm off to creativity.
0: What are three things you're most recently grateful for?
1: It's always my husband's, my kids, my ex-husband, my team, my dog. I mean, those are always the ones. Right now I'm going through a amazing transition with one of my businesses. So I'm very grateful to the person who is Acquiring one of my businesses because he has been just one of the most influential and important people in my life. Um, and this morning it was my husband, my kids, my dog Bree Arget Singer because I just spent yesterday afternoon with her, and my health and my business.
0: Beautiful, I love that. I often have a lot of the same ones on mine, and then I try and always find something new, something that it's just out of the ordinary, like you know, a complete stranger that smiled at me
1: or something like that. So. That's a good one. Something like thinking something new. That's a really good one. I'm going to use that. I'm definitely going to do that one tomorrow. That's good.
0: I have a 12 year old bonus son and we do gratitude over the dinner table and we all go around and we say three things that we're grateful for and he's 12 and he sometimes gets into the habit of like repeating the same thing and so that's where the the ritual came from it's like okay you, you can say the same things but like let's try and find something that we've never said before and it really makes you kind of you know, think outside the box, like he might say, oh, well, my teacher offered to open the door for me or my teacher today, I dropped all of my books and he came over and he helped me pick them up. And it's just something that's so little, um, cause it's very easy to just kind of rattle off the same things that we, we want to be what that we are grateful for every day. But I always try and find one that I'm like, just out of the blue.
1: I love it. I'm taking it (laughs) putting into place tomorrow morning. Good
0: work. Good work. Now, I've got three little rapid fire questions for you. In your opinion, what is one thing that we can do today
1: for our health? Number one most important thing to do for your health, in my humble opinion, is to get eight to nine hours of sleep every night. I find for most people, they're not getting good sleep because they're stealing from it and not making it a commitment. So committing to quality sleep.
0: Yeah, I love that. And what's one thing that we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life.
1: It's interesting. I coach a lot of doctors and I find for a lot of them, they're in scarcity. And I find the easiest way to start to have more abundance is to start to act more abundantly. So like my wedding, which was last year, was actually a fundraiser for my girlfriend's foundation. And I always look for things that I can do, ways that I can give and pay it forward. Because once you do that, it kind of sets the tone for abundance.
0: Mm, I love that. It's so beautiful, so generous, and so, so inspiring. So thank you for sharing that. And in your opinion, what is one thing that we can do for more love in our life?
1: Oh, that's an easy one. All you have to do is give more.
0: Beautiful. You
1: get more love when you give more love. Hell yeah. You can't hold on to it. You just got to give it. Yeah. Plus, get a doggy. That's the best way to get more love. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You're actually the second person who said get a dog on the show cuz and I'm surprised that not more people have said that because everyone loves dogs. They're obsessed with them. It's so beautiful.
1: Yeah, I've got my little dog. It's just so I have this the this adorable dog and then my girlfriend uh Bree just got a dog cuz my husband was like you really need to get a dog and it's amazing to see how it changes someone's life. Like uh, my dog goes and visits other people. She we kind of have a dog sitting, uh, service. So when we're out of town, other people borrow her and everyone who gets her, then it's, it's funny. Now we have this, the Daisy effect because three people now have gotten dogs because they dog sat Daisy and then they decided they better have a dog. (laughs) So beautiful.
0: Well, JJ, this has been so inspiring. Is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners?
1: My documentary is called You Are Stronger Than You Think. And I think that one of the things that got me through all this stuff was just always thinking to myself as this was going through, it was so... Hard, Like it was the hardest experience I've ever been through. And hearing that, you know, don't wish it was easier, make yourself stronger. And you really are stronger than you think. And we're never better than when we're challenged. And when you come through these things and you can't think in the moment, I wasn't in the moment going, I'm going to be so much better off because of this. We all are like, you know, I was never thinking that. But the, ultimately, you hear this from people, and I've got so many friends now because of this situation who've who've come out of the woodwork and have gone through major tragedies, and they're just better because of it. Even if the tragedies involve like a, like the loss of someone, we just if we focus on coming through them and finding finding the lemonade in that lemon, you can just be better because of it.
0: Well, thank you so much for all of your wisdom. I'd love to ask you now one last question. What is one thing that I personally and the listeners today can do to serve you?
1: I have a documentary which we can put in the show notes called You're Stronger Than You Think. And it has all of these lessons in it, along with the book. The book has them too. The book is coming back out as Warrior Mom. So it's probably when this airs, it will either be there or or be listed as Warrior Mom. But it's either Miracle Mindset or Warrior Mom. But just to share this out there and get that get this the idea of hope and you know, that there aren't any victims, they're just volunteers. We make our decisions of how we can, how we can change our life. And when you work on yourself and put yourself and your health first, you can go out there and make a massive impact in the world.
0: Mm, I love that. Well, I am so grateful for the impact that you are making in the world. You are such an inspiration. I'm just so inspired. And I just want to thank you and acknowledge you for all the work that you're doing, for really mastering your mindset and for inspiring all of us to do the same. It's been such an honor to hear from you and share this space with you. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: What an inspiration. I love her saying, don't wish it were easier, make yourself stronger. This really hit home for me. And if it did for you too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who you would like me to have on the show. And for everything that JJ and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 87. And you can also check out all my other episodes there too. Just a reminder that you can now order my second book, Open Wide, a radically real guide to deep love, rocking relationships and soulful sex. All you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your copy now. And if you want to be the review of the week next week, make sure you leave me a review in iTunes. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there is someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. Take a screenshot. Share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them. Do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget, my darling, that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.